they send the greetings to you. And uh, what a blessing to be able to get into the word and break the bread today. Come on. Hallelujah. Any hungry people in the house? Thank you, Lord. Well, um, a few weeks ago, uh, three weeks to be exact, on uh, the 24th of September, we ministered along the lines of the, uh, the cure for spiritual laziness. And we just not done yet, so we're going to take another run at it today. Praise the Lord. And uh, uh, I, I believe that what the Lord's doing is he's uh, uh, calling us up. The, the Lord always does that. The, the Lord is not just satisfied with us being where we are. It's all about going further. It's all about going deeper. It's all about going higher. Now, he loves you the way, right where you are, the way you are. But certainly loves you too much to leave you that way. And is always calling us to go deeper, always calling us to go further and higher. And I believe that that's the heart of God behind the message here today. First Thessalonians 5.14 out of the New Living Translation says this. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak and be patient with everyone. It's interesting how God has a diagnosis for how to treat somebody based on where they're at in life. Hey, some people are timid. They need some encouragement. Some people who are weak need some tender care. But people that are lazy need to be warned. People who are lazy need a, some Holy Ghost fire set under their backside. Hey, come on now. Hey, come on, get up, get going. And, uh, Thank the Lord for that. We uh, Just to, to do some review of uh, what we got into three weeks back, we, we talked about some key Bible words that had to do with the subject. We talked about slothful. That was one of our key words or, or, or the word uh, which really means lazy or really an inability. Listen to this, an inability to act promptly or speedily when action for speed is called for. Now, action for speed is not always called for. We know the word says to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So there are some, some things you should be fast about and some things you should be slow about. But one of the ways that slothfulness is defined as when you're being slow at a time when speed is being called for it. Come on. And I couldn't help but think of the kids' movie Zootopia. Somebody might know where I'm going with this, but if not, you're getting an education. So you got this city totally run by animals, and the DMV, otherwise known as the Registry of Motor Vehicles, you know who's behind the desk there? The sloth is. Oh, boy. And I would try to do my imitation of that, but I don't want to eat into my preaching time today because it'd take a long time to do it. So we, we, we know don't be slow when it's time to be fast. Amen. Now, there's some things you should be slow about, but there's some things you should be fast about. Come on. And also, uh, another word along with slothful is the word sluggard, really defining what a, a lazy person is. You, you got the word slack or slackness, which is really not putting enough care or attention or energy into something. And so, by by doing that, you're not doing the job well enough. In other words, you're you're kind of doing it halfway, half cooked, half baked. And God is calling us to rise up from half cooked and half baked. The idea of in your spiritual life or on your job, in your natural life, in your household, wherever it might be, the idea of good enough to be done. You know, uh, God's calling us to a higher standard. Come on, somebody. Are, are, are you feeling that inside with me today? Were, were, were some things where you thought, well, that's just good enough. And the Lord said, come on, step it up, step it up, move up higher. Because because here's the thing. When we stand before him and we all will, we, we don't want to present to him something that we just think is good enough. No, no, no. Good enough will get burned up. Hallelujah. We, we want something that's pure in quality, something that will stand the test of fire when we stand before him. Amen. And also, uh, another word that I want to introduce to you today that I didn't get into a few weeks back is the word idle. 
I-D-L-E. It's avoiding work, spending time doing nothing. Oh, boy. Listen to this. Being without purpose or effect. Being without purpose or effect. Lord, help us not to be idle. As a matter of fact, you know what's interesting? (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have some fun today. You know, when, when your car idles, or especially if you got a motorcycle and your motorcycle idles, you know what's happening? It's making a whole lot of noise and not going anywhere. You know anybody like that? I won't look. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Because there's a whole lot of us at points in life where we've made a whole lot of noise. But we've not been going anywhere. Hallelujah. So rather than idling your vehicle, someone say, shut up and drive. Hey, (laughs) move. Go on down the road. Make some progress. Amen. So we'll go ahead and get into that word idle a little bit later. But uh, uh, some of the things I want to review with you, we talked about dangers of spiritual laziness. That laziness will have you living under a curse. And God's intention is not for you to live under a curse, but under the blessing. We know that. Laziness will keep you out of the promised land. Oh, my goodness. You see, we think of the promised land a lot of times only in relation to the children of Israel. Came out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, wandered in the wilderness, then finally got across the Jordan River into the promised land. But, hey, I got to tell you, the promised land is not just for Israel. The promised land for us is the fulfillment of God's purpose for us in this life and the ultimate fruitfulness that he desires for you. Come on. And that doesn't just happen. It's yours, but you got to go get it. It's yours, but you got to go get it. Come on. You know, the prophet Obadiah said that the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. And you might think, well, if they're my possessions, why do I have to possess them? Well, that's the, that's the point he's making. Just because they're your possessions doesn't mean that you just sit there and say, well, it's my possessions. No, you got to go get it. You got to go to take some steps to lay claim on what's yours. You've got the paperwork that says it's yours. You, you might have the paperwork framed on the wall or you might have the paperwork literally on your coffee table. Yeah, it's called Holy Bible. That's your paperwork. Hey, but just because the Bible says it's yours, you got to go get it. You got to lay claim on it. Otherwise, you can live your whole life with something that is rightfully yours, absolutely belongs to you, but you never laid hold of it. My goodness. You know, in Joshua, he said to the Israelites, how long will you be slack to go in and possess the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? So once again, he's making the point. God has given you the land, yet you still got to go in and possess it. We talk about some signs of spiritual laziness, a big one being making excuses. Oh, Lord. That's when you know what you need to do, but you come up with excuses for some reason why you can't do it. As a matter of fact, we read the proverb that said, the lazy man says, there's a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. Now, he knew he needed to go outside for something, And if the lion wasn't there, he'd come up with another reason. But there's always some reason why I can't do it. Always some reason why I can't go out and get done what I need to get done. And opposition can never be a reason for you to not do something. Lord, help us. Opposition can never be a reason for us to do something, for us not to do something. Why? Because you're always going to have opposition. While you're in this life, something is always going to oppose you. Opposition cannot be a reason for you to just sit there and not do it. As a matter of fact, uh, if the children of Israel were waiting for there to be no opposition before they went and got their land, they'd still be waiting. As a matter of fact, they went in knowing there was opposition there. They went knowing that there were people that were going to oppose them, knowing that there were situations that were different and bigger from things that they may have faced before. But they went in there with faith because faith, I got to tell you, faith causes action. Real faith does not just have you saying stuff. Real faith causes you to act. 
And people with real faith aren't lazy. Come on. People with real faith are doers because faith without works is dead. The Bible says in the Amplified Classic translation, faith without corresponding actions is dead. How many of you are people of faith? If you're a person of faith, you're a person of action. That means you're not a lazy person. We saw this, that laziness will keep you from initiating, maintaining, and closing the deal. Laziness will keep you from initiating, maintaining, and closing the deal. See, the the soul of lazy man desires and has nothing. Desire alone ain't going to do it. You can desire and still have nothing. See, don't just want things and not put anything into getting it and sit there and be disappointed that you don't have it. If you want it, go get it. If you want it, take some initiative. Don't be the lazy person. Come on now. As a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> you, 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 you might be, be familiar with, with some of these kind of jokes or some of these uh, funny moments where when someone says, you're so lazy. And the person responds, how lazy am I? <laughs> Say, you're so lazy that if there was an award for being the laziest person on earth, you'd send someone else to go get it for you. <laughs> Lord, help us. <laughs> so, come on now. We're, we're, we're those who are initiating. We're getting the ball rolling. But getting the ball rolling is important and necessary, but it's not enough by itself because there's a whole lot of people that got the ball rolling and left it halfway. Because it's not just about initiating things, it's about maintaining it along the way. Ecclesiastes 10.18 says this, that because of laziness, the building decays. And through idleness of hands, the house leaks. So there was a building, there was a house, but there was no maintenance. And glory to God, for us in our spiritual life, one of the number one ways that you can be maintained in the Lord is to get anointed with Fresh oil. Come on. Someone say, this car needs an oil change. Come on. (laughs) Regular maintenance for your journey. Know that you're not just going to go ahead and keep on going on what you fed on three years ago, four years ago, but regular, consistent feeding in the word. Regular, consistent time with God. Regular, consistent, being filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit is the way to go ahead and maintain your life for him. Hallelujah. So there's initiating and maintaining and there's closing the deal. God wants you to be a a, a one who closes the deal. Why? Because he is. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the alpha and the omega. So God don't leave things half cooked, so we ought to be like him and not do that either. The book of Proverbs says, uh, well, actually, before I I allude to that, I should say this. When it comes to closing the deal, that's called harvest time. And harvest is not automatic. As a matter of fact, harvest time is very often the busiest time on the farm. Uh, You know, the scripture says that those who sleep in harvest is a son who causes shame. Don't sleep during harvest time. That's not the time to sleep. There's work to be done. There's stuff to go get. Stuff that you've been waiting for. Stuff that you've sowed seed for. Stuff that's been watered and and, and lit by the sun. And and it's grown and it's increased. And how sad it would be to go through all of that part of the process. But then when it comes to harvest time, go to sleep. And not follow through all the way to the end. Come on. God has called us not just to initiate and not just to maintain. God has called you to close the deal. Glory to God. You know, the scripture says that a a lazy man won't plow in wintertime. A lazy man won't plow in wintertime. Why? Because he'll think it's too cold or the ground's too hard. But what's the end result of that? The rest of the verse says he'll beg during harvest and have nothing. Beg during harvest and have nothing. Why? Because earlier he said it's too cold and the ground's too hard. So by not taking that step in the beginning when it got to harvest time, what did he do? 
Instead of munching, he was mooching. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, be a muncher and not a moocher. What do I mean when you follow things through all the way to harvest time? You got something to eat. You're not out begging. You got something out to eat because you followed through on it all the way from the beginning to the end. And don't forget the ant in Proverbs 6. Anybody ever read about the ant before? Hey, what does the ant do? Proverbs 6, 8 says this. The ant provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. And guess what? Does it without someone hounding them to do it. You read the context of that scripture, that's exactly what it says. There's no overseer, there's no ruler, but they're getting the job done. And it's nice to be encouraged. And of course, part of the ministry of pastors sometimes being a pester. And so sometimes people are pestered. But how nice it would be, glory to God, how nice it would be for some saints to say, I'm going to go ahead and do what's right because I know what's right. I know it needs to be done. Nobody else can do it for me. I can only do it for myself. And without anybody babysitting you or hounding you or pestering you, you just go and do what's right. Woo, glory to God. I tell you, you do that, you got a good life in front of you. Amen. Laziness results. And things being left to themselves or not being carried through to completion. But like we said, what's the character of God? Author and finisher. Hallelujah. Now, remember this, that things that are left alone and not tended to end up in a state of disrepair. You can look in the word and see that. Things that are left alone. So you might have started it. You might have got it going, but then you left it alone. You left it to itself. Things left to themselves end up in a state of disrepair. As a matter of fact, I'll be this bold and say this, that doing nothing can tear something down as if you went and tore it down intentionally. Doing nothing can tear something down as though you went and tore it down intentionally. Try that with your house sometime. Say, I'm going to leave my house, leave my lawn, leave everything for five years, not do anything about it, and come back and see what I got to deal with. You're going to have something to deal with when you get back. Now, one thing we got into at the end of our message three weeks ago, we we started talking about thorns in in reference to uh, laziness. Now, I want to go ahead and pick that up again. <laughs> My hope is to really make this point stick. All right. Bad humor. Moving right along. Here we go. Thorns are the result of leaving things undone or half done. Thorns grow because of a job not brought to completion. Numbers 33:55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, Then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. By not driving out the inhabitants of the land and doing what God said, because that was God's instructions, but by not doing that, the people would have thorns in their sides, irritants in their eyes for days and years to come. So, Thorns can overtake the garden when the garden's left to itself. Are you with me? You know, Proverbs talks about thorns as well, where it says in chapter 24, 30, and 31, I went by the field of the lazy man, by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding, and there it was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. Realize this, that when laziness produces thorns, in areas of your life, that you have to do some clearing of the ground before you have the opportunity to sow some good stuff in its place. Remember the calling of Jeremiah the prophet? 
You can see this in the first chapter of Jeremiah where God called him. And God gave him six things that he needed to do. Root out, pull down, destroy and throw down, build and plant. And it's interesting, four of those things have to do with getting out the old stuff. Two of those things have to do with putting in the new stuff. And if you take a look at that, that might help you to realize that sometimes it's even more work getting old stuff out than getting the new stuff in. Which is why it is so valuable for you to go ahead and get the word of God into your children early in life. Get them hooked on the book early in life. Teach them the way they need to go early in life. Don't let the school teacher do it. Don't let their friends do it. Don't let the iPhone do it. You do it. Come on now. Because I got to tell you what a blessing, what an amazing thing it is. That when, when children are, I have the word of God sown into them. When children are shown the right way to go, then, then rather than have to go ahead and uproot a whole lot of junk, they actually have a clean slate where they can start on and plant the good stuff right away without having to go through all the work and all the labor of uprooting the junk. You know, uprooting those old pictures that you looked at when you were a teenager that are stuck in your head for years after that. Come on now, somebody. You know what? When, you know, if you don't put junk in there, you don't have to get junk out. And it is work to get junk out of you. So glory to God. Let's go ahead and be people that from this day forward are committed to getting the junk out, but also to not letting any more junk back in. So that you got a clear, free garden where when you go ahead and plant the seed of the word, you got it going on good ground, ground that is ready for, for, for seed, ready to go ahead and grow some fruit. Hallelujah. And then you've got a life ahead of you that's full of fruitfulness and all the good things that come from God. Amen. You know, Jesus said in the parable of the sower that some of the seed fell among thorns and it sprang up with it and got choked. Luke eight fourteen, where Jesus explains the parable of the sower, he said, now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Interesting. You know what's interesting? You had good seed, because what was the seed in this parable? The seed was the word of God. You had the word of God, the everlasting word of God. I mean, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. We're talking about the same word. Planted, but planted among thorns. And so what happened is that the thorns grew up with it, choked it, Brought no fruit to maturity. Let me explain it to you like this. So good seed being planted among thorns. Thorns are a sign of a job not brought to completion. Remember? When the lazy man left his garden alone, left his yard alone, what happened? It grew up with thorns and nettles uh, and the wall was broken down. That's what happens when you leave things to itself. So thorns being a sign of a job not brought to completion. If you plant your seed on that, what happens? You've also got fruit. That's not brought to completion. Hmm. But when good seed is planted and, uh, and, and you have cleared the thorns out first and then you've prepared the ground and then you plant the seed, then you get something good. Hallelujah. You get good fruit, good results. Jeremiah chapter four, verse three says it like this. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. So here's the thing. What we've done a lot of times is we've got some thorny situations in our life, some messes in our life, and we've not taken the proper time to clear out the garden. We thought we could just go ahead and keep on going and kind of override it. 
But you know, a big important part of life is clearing out stuff that doesn't belong. That's what the renewing of the mind is. That's clearing out stuff that doesn't belong. The renewing of the mind is when you go ahead and and deal with things, uh, uh, paradigms inside of you, thought patterns inside of you, ways that you've always thought how it was, but then you come and see the word of God and see something that says it differently than the way you thought it, and there you've got a choice. Do I go with the way I've always thought it was, or do I go with the word now? So I got to tell you, this is a very, very important thing and necessary to be able to grow and to move on. And something about getting the ground ready, clearing out the thorns, Breaking up the ground, getting it ready so you can plant some seed there and have some good fruit. Because I got to tell you, getting that ground ready, that's important. Because you got to break up what's been hardening before you do your gardening. Let me drop a rhyme on somebody today. You got to break up what's been hardening before you do your gardening. And what ultimately happens to, to thorns anyhow? Well, Hebrews 6 uh, verse 7, we'll go ahead and, uh, yes, verse 7, we'll start there. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessings from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed whose end is to be burned. The end of thorns is to go ahead and burn. That, that's the end for thorns. Now, you got a choice. Uh, Dr. Edmund Lewis Cole, who's the director of the Christian Men's Network, he had uh, gone to the, be with the Lord a long time ago, but he has this uh, message he preached called Choose Your Fire, Revival or Judgment. And I thought of that, especially when it comes to this. Because if you wait to Judgment Day, what does the, the scripture say is going to happen to all the thorns? They're going to get burned up. But you can choose your fire. Rather than waiting for then for that to get burned up, you can go ahead and use some of your Holy Ghost fire that you're baptized with. Remember, John the Baptist said that Jesus is the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You got some fire, somebody. And he talked about laying the axe to the root of the tree. And he talked about uh, 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 th- things that, that were being uh, uh, fruitless, not bearing fruit, being cast into the fire. Come on now, cast something into the fire if it's not bearing fruit in your life. You got some thorns in your life, cast it into the fire. Let the fire of God fire you up right now. Why wait to judgment day? Because you know, you got thorns in your life. The, the end of the thorns is inevitable. They will be burned. But rather than waiting for the day when you stand before him, you can do something about it right now. And if you do something about it now, you don't just set yourself up better for what's ahead. You set yourself up better for the life that's right here and now. Praise the Lord, somebody. Hear me this morning. So you see, thorns being a sign of something that got started and was left, you know, there was a house there, there was a yard there, there was a wall there, but what would happen with the lazy man? He left it alone, and then the the walls were broken down, and this beautiful yard where, where it was once green grass and very nicely manicured, now you got thorns and nettles covering it. So... So you see, the, the Lord is not going to say to anybody uh, on, on the day we stand before him, half done, my good and faithful servant. He's not going to say half done. Because half done is not well done. Glory to God. Somebody get a hold of what the Spirit of God is saying today. I don't want to go ahead and leave anything undone, half done. Come on, I want to go all the way with this thing. I want to go ahead and make sure that when I stand before him, that, that as the saying goes in sports, uh, I left it all out on the court or I left it all out on the field where there is nothing that was intended for me to do, nothing that was intended for me to accomplish, that I would be able to stand before the Lord and have to hang my head because there was work undone. Come on. 
Thank you, Lord. Let's talk about idleness. We, we defined it a little bit earlier. The idea of avoiding work, spending time doing nothing, or being without purpose or effect. Oh, boy. You know, uh, there's a, a term that's very popular in the, the day and age in which we live. It's called me time. And there's one sense of me time that's not bad. You do need to rest. You do need to be refreshed. You know, uh, uh, you, we definitely understand that. Aren't speaking against that. God himself rested on the seventh day. He intends you to rest too. But don't let idleness be an idol. Two different spellings there, just in case you're wondering. Don't let idleness be an idol in your life. As a matter of fact, think about what Jesus said. As we're, we're going to go ahead and examine what the scripture says about being idle. Uh, Matthew twelve thirty six. he says, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Now, one way to deal with idleness in your life, if there's a good place to start, start right there with your words. Start right there with your words. So I don't want to speak idle words. What does that mean? Uh, uh, rather than uh, just throwing words out there that are, that are meaningless, or actually somebody once said uh, that, that the best description of what an idle word is, it's an unemployed word. Think about that. A word that's not given a job. All right, let the gray matter burn for a minute. Come on. A word that's not given a job. Because the way God operates, every word has been given a job. And he expects the job to get done. Because you remember, it was said, so shall my word be. That goes forth out of my mouth. This is God speaking. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So God doesn't send out idle words. God send out words on a mission. <laughs> words with a purpose. Words that, 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 uh, that, that are employed rather than unemployed. So we can do the same. Be purposeful in your speaking, just like God. And never speak words that are without purpose or effect. What else does the Bible says about being idle? 1 Timothy 5, verse 13. Uh, and of course, this is in the context of Paul speaking to younger widows. But believe me, the principle can apply to anybody and everybody. And it says, 1 Timothy 5, 13, besides they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies saying things which they ought not. So first thing I want you to see, they learn to be idle. They learn to be idle. So, consider this. This is very important. That you don't want to start developing bad habits. And I believe the Spirit of God said something to me today that I want to convey to you. That within the time of COVID-19 falling upon planet Earth, within that period of time, there was a lot of learning to be idle. Why? Because you're home. You're doing church from home. You're doing work from home. Uh, you're, you, you could go ahead and order your uh, uh, groceries from home. You could do so many things from home. And you know what? It's interesting that, that uh, once, uh, well, once that season was over, some people almost had a shock to their system that I got to get up and go again. I got, I got to do things outside of my house again. I got to relearn how to motivate and kick myself in the behind if I could reach to get myself going. Come on now. But don't learn to be idle. Don't develop those kind of habits. Why? Because what happens, 
It says, and not only idle, because besides they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, which means once you start with being idle, it's a slippery slope that leads to other things. So if you guard against being idle, you're not just go ahead and uh, keeping yourself straight in, in the present time, but you're also keeping yourself uh, safe from further issues infecting your life. Glory to God. You know, Second Peter one eight. I want you to see this. Second Peter one eight. It's a beautiful verse. He said, "For if these things, now what things?" Well, I'm going to hook you up here because we're not reading all the verses preceding it. But he's talking about the list that he just put out there, which includes faith, virtue or moral excellence, uh, knowledge, uh, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness and love. That's a good list. It's right there in the preceding verses. You can go ahead and see it for yourself. So if those things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the word barren is the same Greek word that we've been seeing that's been translated as idle. So in other words, if you've got all those goodies, faith, virtue, moral excellence, uh, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, you got those things in you, you will neither be idle and you won't be unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is part of what our title is, the cure for spiritual laziness. So that's why it's important to listen to this. Having those things in you that, that are part of the list that you see in the preceding verses, 2 verse 8, what happens? They'll prevent you from being either idle or, or unfruitful. They'll keep you from inactivity and fruitlessness. Come on. Now let's go a little further. Let's look at something that Paul had to address through Titus to the believers at Crete. How many have ever heard of Crete? Still around today? So, Titus verse, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Paul said, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Well, what was out of order that needed to be set in order? What was lacking in Crete? Let's go ahead and find out. This is Titus 1, verse 12. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Come on. So he was identifying the problem. What was needing to be set in order? What was lacking? They were liars. They, they were evil beasts. They were lazy gluttons. What's that word lazy? That's the same Greek word idol that we've been looking at here. And Paul said, Oh, no, none of that's true about you. No, he said, it is true. Therefore, he told Titus, rebuke them sharply to, to be sound in the faith. Why be sound in the faith? Because what I said before is an important thing. Being sound in the faith is not just you being sound in your faith talk. Now, faith talk is important. We can talk about that for months. But faith talk is not enough. You need to have some faith walk with your faith talk. Corresponding actions. If you are a real believer in Jesus, you are not just saying, I believe this and I believe that. No, I believe it, therefore I do it. Therefore, when I'm pressed against tough situations in life, you squeeze me, you will see what comes out. You'll see what comes out by what I do. Hallelujah. See, some people just prefer doing nothing. We already saw that's going to be disastrous. Isn't that right? But other people do nothing out of fear and dread. See, the enemy is such a liar that, that he'd go ahead and try to go ahead and freeze somebody with fear. 
freeze somebody with dread to get them to the point where they don't go ahead and do what they know the Lord wants them to do. Well, do you know what fear and dread does? Fear paralyzes. Dread locks. I got you. Fear paralyzes and dread locks. Come on. But doing what God wants you to do will unlock you and will unlock the things that have been locked up in your life. The gifts that have been locked up. The potential that's been locked up. It's time for some things to get unlocked. Dread will lock you up because dread locks. But when you get out of the dread, you get into the place where things get unlocked instead. Come on. Where you can unlock your GPS. You unlock your gifts, your potential, and your significance. Unlock your GPS, somebody. Unlock the gifts that are inside of you. Things that God have put in you that have lined, have laid dormant in your life because of thorns, because of inaction, because of going so far and not going all the way and leaving something half cooked and half done. But the gifts are still there. Unlock the gifts. Come on. Unlock the potential. You know that the place on planet Earth where there's the greatest potential is in the graveyard. Are you with me? The place on planet Earth with the greatest potential is the graveyard because so many people have gone to their graves without doing the thing that God put in them to do. And how about significance? The fact that in you is something that is absolutely unique. Something about you and the DNA that God put in you that there's not anybody else who can do it quite the way that you can do it because God put it in you. There's significance in you. There's something significant about you. Not because you're cute. Not because you're somebody special. No, because you're called by Almighty God. Marked by God. Hallelujah. And he's got such amazing Wonderful plans for you. So unlock your GPS, somebody. But I want to say this to you. Be very, very careful. The idea of uh, having fear and dread, where fear paralyzes you and dread locks you up. What that causes is that causes you to lag behind. And there's a strategy of the enemy that you got to look out for. Because when a member of the herd lags behind, there's a lion back there waiting for the straggler. The one who goes to and fro as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour the one whom he may devour very often is the straggler that got separated from the herd. And that tells you something. You have heard today. You need your herd. Look at somebody in the next year. Say, I need my herd. I need to be with you. I can't afford to get separated. I can't let uh, hesitation hold me back and leave me behind. I can't let uh, uh, dread and, and fear hold me behind. Because if I get away from the herd, I might be making the lion hungry. Glory to God. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. So what's the bottom line? The bottom line is diligence. Diligence. The cure for spiritual laziness is diligence. Whoever's uh, with me in the booth, I'm going to go ahead and bounce some things around today. Uh, But uh, let's go first to Proverbs 12, 24 in the New Living. Proverbs 12, 24. And it says this. Work hard. Uh, no, 1224, not this one. 
1224. It's in there. New Living Translation says, work hard, become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Work hard, become a leader. Be lazy, become a slave. Something about diligence. Now you can go to the 1227. Now you can go to that other one. There it is. Lazy people don't even cook the game they catch. But the diligent make use of everything they find. See, this is something about following through. The lazy person, they went out and caught game. So it's not like they, 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 in this case, they did not stay home and do nothing. They went out and caught the game, but they didn't bring it through to completion. You know, it's kind of like this, you know, we, we, we get motivated that I've been spending too much money on, on takeout and stuff like that. So I, I just want to go ahead and, uh, um, you, you know, we're going to cut back. We're going grocery shopping today. So you get your list together. You go out to the grocery store, get all your stuff, get home, get it all unpacked in the fridge, and then it's time to cook it. And what do you say? Ooh, I'm tired. I need to call for takeout. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you if you've done that before, but I will tell you that I have. Oh, Lord. (laughs) But what's the problem? The problem is you had a plan. You executed the plan all the way to putting that last thing in the fridge, but you didn't follow through because your whole idea for doing it was to be able to follow through and not do the takeout. When you got a refrigerator... Full of food. Someone say, follow through. through. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. Let's see. Oh, you know what? That's a different translation, but I'll go with it. There we go. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. So, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look at that. The same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. How long do you stay diligent? To the end. end. Someone say, follow through. Follow through. 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 Yeah, you've been taught how to swing, whether you're swinging your baseball bat or swinging your golf club. You don't cut it short. You follow through on your swing. Isn't that right? Anybody ever swing a golf club before? Oh, yeah. I swung a golf club before. Is swing a word? Well, it is now. But, uh, but, but uh, my golf game resembles something that Paul said. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. I read that one time and said, "Woo! that describes my golf game. Lord, help us. But you see, what do you do? That each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Verse 12. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Something about these verses are very connected because you showing the same diligence all the way to the end will keep you from sluggishness. Very, very important. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to end. Where can we end? Well, I would say there's probably no better place to end but in Romans 12, verse 11. So let's go there. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Never be lazy. Well, work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. You know, as you, as you hear this today, you might think, well, how do I get started? I want to tell you how. You get started by just doing the basics every day. Doing the basics every day. We can talk about Natural life, but right now I want to talk about your spiritual life. Doing the basics every day.
having the word coming into you every day, having a connection with the Lord in prayer every day. What do I allow myself to do or not allow myself to do? Do I just go ahead and let myself go willy-nilly and do what I feel like? Well, what you feel like might get you in trouble. So you go ahead and let the Lord be your God. Let the word be your God and keep you on the straight and narrow. How often? Every day. You do the basics every day. Intense effort is not your goal. Hang with me because I'm wrapping this up, but I need you to hear this ending. This is important. Intense effort is not your goal. It is senseless to try to go at this pace, which is impossible to maintain. Consistency is your goal. Not mad, intense effort. Consistency is your goal. Consistency will beat intense effort every time. Because intense effort, you go, 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 go. I got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. The battery dies. Intense effort. Started off like a flash of lightning. And that's what you were. You were a flash in the pan. Real bright for a minute and then forgotten about. But consistency. Oh, come on. That's what you're looking for. And the process of consistently hearing and consistently doing the word will help to remove the thorns in your life. It will help you to plow the, good, the ground and it will help you to plant good seed and good ground to produce a good harvest in your life. Praise the Lord, somebody. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we honor you today. You're a good God and a faithful God. We honor and reverence you in this place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus, today's your day. Do not hesitate. Talk about waiting. You don't want to wait. Talk about hesitating. You don't want to hesitate. Don't let the fear of what anybody's going to think or say about you hold you back. You know you need Jesus today. This is what I want you to do. I'll be down here. Some other people from our prayer team will be down here after service. Come and see us. Do not hesitate. Do not talk yourself out of it. Come and see us. And let us lead you to the only one who could love you and save you.